Welcome back. Uh, today we have a good friend of mine joining me uh, in Mubarak, Mohammed Mire. Uh, we went to undergrad together, uh, and he's currently completing his master's in, in business administrations. Uh, public administration. Public, my bad. Um, oh, Horta, your job was writing um, curriculum. Curriculum. Yeah. What is that like? What's that like? So, we. So I. I work with the social studies department mm. in the district, and so we we have our hands sometimes in curriculum or standards, um, and I also deal with equity within the district. Okay. So just making, just ensuring that our students are, you know, that education is equitable. You know, because there's a difference between equality and equity. Mm-hmm. You know, equity is meeting our students where they are. Especially for our immigrant students, you've got to literally meet them where they are. You can't expect them to get the same starting point as everyone else, right? Right. So, yeah. Okay. Why is that? Any things serious you've noticed over the past few years working there? Man, it's, it's I think, with our, with our kids, you know, the energy is there. It's just more of a, and, you know, as I'm getting older now, I'm trying to not generalize, you know, because, I mean, our, our students are bright. Mm-hmm. Whether some or really not. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, that's good. That's let's say, honest. Let's say all the students are bright. Some are just a little dim. Right. <laughs> and 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 well, some are struggling. Right. Mm-hmm. Some are struggling. And you, you, I, I got to work with the ones who are struggling. Right. And we got to make sure that we are reaching them where they are and helping them. You know, if we just get them, I feel like if we just are able to get them to high school. Mm-hmm. And just grow up a little bit. Then they realize, you know, the world is a serious place. Isn't that the whole uh, the point of college? Because I remember when I left high school and went into college, it was a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. High school, you had people coming up to you asking you to do your assignment. Yeah. This is due. This is that. In college, it's like, yeah, you got an F. Yeah. Like, why? You didn't refer? Like, can I? No. No. Who did was then. It's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it really low-key, there is an entirely different vibe between high school and college. Where it's like, you've got the training wheels on in high school. And in college, yeah. it's the unicycle. <laughs> well, yeah. here's the thing with our students, though. Some, not all. If they would accept those training wheels, mm-hmm. I'd be happy. They're at a, some of them are at a point, I don't want to be helped. Don't help mm-hmm. me. I'm like, what do you mean, don't help me? No, mm-hmm. no, I don't need your help. You kind of do. That clearly, was clearly, your grades are not. That was me in high school, dude. Like, I just refused to listen to teachers in high school. There were some nice teachers, but I was just, I don't know, there's something about. You know, high school has its own culture, you know? Yeah. And one culture or one kind of way of behaving that's kind of prevalent in high school is the no given yeah. attitude, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not cool to care about. I mean, now it's, I think now it's probably a little bit different. Now no. it's, it's still the same. It's worse. Our generation was, if, if we did not care about school, we just kind of hung out in a park. Mm-hmm. It's that was stuff. yeah. Now it's like I'm gonna bring all of that nonsense into the classroom and, and you know just it's it's weird. Oh, dude, the other um, I think it was a week week and a half ago, there was uh, this girl that I went to uh, school with. She just became a teacher, and she's a fourth grade teacher. This irked me, but I'm curious to what you think about this. So, randomly, I just got I went back on all the social media apps, right? And by all, I mean Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook. Right. So I went back on Facebook, and one of the first posts that I see is this girl that I used to know who's now a teacher, and I think she was a third grade teacher, either third grade or fourth grade, one of the two. And she was discussing the uh, Biden-Trump whole thing. This was right before Inauguration Day. 
and she was discussing how, what, what was that like? How did that make them feel? And so on and so on with children. And I remember reading that post and I was like, I was so angry that I came back on Facebook. Loki, like, just reading that post alone pissed me off at Facebook as an entire thing because for, for a moment, right. she represented people on Facebook for me. And I kept on scrolling and I saw different things. But still, that pissed me off. That there's, It's cool. It's okay now to just bring conversations like that into little kids' classrooms. Oh, like so a, why not? Yeah. Why not? You're not really... Was she influencing their decisions? It's well, about, isn't it good to bring those things up at an early age and like discuss and see at least if they're engaged in what's going on? That, that, okay, so that's one point of view, right? But from my point of view, it's what you expose to children early on is very, very important, you know? Because it does one of a few things. One, it desensitizes and heightens at the same time, you know? So if you expose little kids to violence, for instance, those little kids are more likely to commit violent, like extremely violent crimes later on mm -hmm. because they become like it's not that important to them anymore. But right. they also get quite creative in the kind of violence that they can ensue upon people. You know what I mean? Because, like, legit. They get very, very. <clears throat> it depends on what you're exposed to when you're younger, you know? Yeah. For me, I'm thinking to myself, things that are controversial and, and complicated in nature yeah. should be held off until they're develop, developed. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Politics is an entire world of its own. You know what I mean? And it really has very little, like American politics, yes, is built off of opinions, but running countries aren't built off of opinions, you know, for the most part. And so when you bring these semi-controversial topics into little kids, you build divisions very early in children in places you don't need divisions in. You know what I mean? You don't need kids in junior high, kids in third, fourth grade to be picking sides on Trump and and, and Biden, yeah. because that's picking sides. Right. You don't need youngings picking sides. You just need them to mush together as much as you can so the, while they're developing. You know what I mean? Yeah, so the thing about that is they are going to pick sides, whether you like it or not, yeah. from their parents, first Very of all, mm -hmm. from social media. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're able to start the conversation at school and at least provide a more inclusive perspective and school i think you need that right like if you never talk about it then nobody else is ever going to talk about it and you're just going to stick to your parents perspective grow up with that until you're what 15 and or probably get to college and you can finally make your decisions and i think without bringing that up it's really really dangerous it's for me bringing it up is what's dangerous it's it's you because for example you think about you're a parent right for instance if i take my kid to school and i'm taking my kid to school like i'm the parent you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the parent. And there's certain things fall within my boundaries as far as what I should teach this children, mm -hmm. this kid. And certain things fall in within the boundaries of the school. I.e., if I take my kid to school to learn math, right, I don't need the teacher discussing the theory of evolution with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I take him to learn, if I take him to school to learn English, I don't need the teacher telling him or her about different types of genders or all that. Like, as a parent, from my point of view, like, He's 10 years old, right? I, I'm bringing you my child to teach him how to read, to teach him how to write, to teach him how to speak, right? I don't need you bringing in socio-political stuff to influence his points of views of the world. That's my job. Right. I, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's still my job. As far as the intricacies of the world is concerned and as far as character and point of view and, and control, yes, there's an extent of external um, influence that the kid will receive, but that's more or less due to exposure. It should not be due to teach, because 
these nonetheless, at the end of the day, when it comes to things like politics, the teacher has her own opinions of these things. And for her to be bringing up, bringing up the children is in a way for her to be opening the doors to her opinions as well, you know? Yeah, to me, to me, it sounds like we're discussing the limits of what education should be and who is responsible for what part, mm-hmm. right? And Mohammed, since you're in that right now and you're kind of controlling that, yeah. what's, what's your take on that? You know, it's it's almost it's almost like it, 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 you bring up interesting points, but like you said, these kids are going to be exposed to this one way or another. Yeah, and the job of a teacher, you know, is not to it's not to place I it's not to it changes it's it's the job of a teacher is not to you know indoctrinate mm-hmm. you know for lack of a better word mm-hmm. it's to help the student critically think mm-hmm. you give them options. Mm-hmm. And if you can bring up those topics that are, you know, controversial, not even really controversial, just any socio-political issues, right? But you can do it in a way that um, that is, is that you can sort of, I don't know, you can you can doctor it mm-hmm. in an environment that is safe. That student can maybe, you know, start to form some good ideas about the topic. But if you don't, then that kid is left alone to Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and whatever else. Because it's it's the age of information. Yeah. Right? So the kid is going to be bombarded with information. Yeah. Who better to give that information than someone who's trained in education? You know. Well, yeah, my point. My point wasn't that. My point wasn't that they shouldn't be. The age is your point. The age is my point. Yes. When? Yes. When should you? Exp- I remember. Um, it was like a month or so ago, I was watching a YouTube video where this uh, high school teacher brought on students in a classroom, and they he would he would. He has loads of videos on there, and they would discuss a topic each time. And the one that I clicked on was uh, the controversial, the federal flag. flag. Yeah, that's always controversial. Yeah, and he's like, should it be or should it not be? You know, should it be controversial or should it not be controversial? And what he did was, in this classroom, there wasn't any particular group of like it wasn't specifically seniors or juniors or anything like that. It was a mashup of all. It was one classroom. There was freshmen debating with seniors, seniors debating with sophomores, and so on, you know? And my problem isn't, should these, should it be open? And the way he did it, it was a very cool environment, from my point of view. Like, he did it, he would just ask the questions, and he would leave it to the students to answer, and they spoke to each other in a relatively respectful manner, and everything, there was no hostility. It's like, all of this has already been kind of set, you know? There's certain kids coming into the room, the certain environment, the teacher, everything's already set and put into place so that it's relatively cohesive and respectful. You know what I mean? And these kids are not, they're not children. They're 18, 19, 20 years old. They're adults. As far as we like to think they're children, they're not children, you know? But when you have three, when you have, you know, nine, 10, 11 year olds, I'm thinking to myself, what should nine, 10, 11 year olds be thinking about? Right. And from my point of view, it's not politics. (laughs) They should not be (laughs) thinking about politics. At nine, ten, when I was years that old. age, I remember it was like, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I think even for you guys, mm-hmm. life was a little more innocent back then. Sure. It was well, fun. The biggest like worry I had was, am I gonna make it on time for Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, am I gonna make it on time to watch Pokemon at four o'clock? I tried Dragon Ball Z. No. And you you, you gotta be, you gotta be great not to be into that. I like yeah. like I like Ben Ten. Oh yeah, Ben 10 was dope. Avatar, the last day of render. Yeah. Those are my dudes. No, but it's, now it's like... These guys are throwing cards and things are coming up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I've never been really into anime. And that's a really controversial you never watched Naruto? thing to say right now. Never, really? ever. Yeah. 
never really been into that, and I think it's becoming an adult thing now. Like, yeah, they're weird. really that good. Is that is really. Weird. And you never weird. watched it? No. no the no, fact no. that I a lot of adults are actually really into it, and it feels almost like a cult. I agree. I don't think adults should be watching cartoons. <laughs> you know why Same I like I it? Don't. You know why I like it? I think it's a good reason. Go <laughs> <laughs> ready to hear. All right, let's go. I hate now anime is becoming like it, but I stopped watching TV a little while ago. And the reason I stopped watching it was because, like, you find yourself mimicking the things you watch. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you ever go to the theater and you watch a dude, like, an action movie or something, and you come off in your mind, up until you get to your car, you're like, you see these things in yourself that he did. <laughs> dude, I remember watching Ted about two, three months ago together, right? And like, Tenet, yeah, 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 yeah. When we were coming from the theater all the way to the cars, walking backwards just to imitate how that would be. It's insane. But oh, man. Right. Yeah, but that's what happened to me when I watched, like, when I, when I saw Rocky for the first time. Yeah. And when I saw Creed, I'm like, all right, the next morning I was in the gym. <laughs> Listen to the same soundtracks. Angry as if I've got a match coming up. <laughs> no. Creed 1 was good, though. Creed 1 was good. Creed 2 was good, too. Yeah. It was good. It was alright. It, it was predictable. I was disappointed. I won't lie. I, it just didn't do much, you know. Right. Like it, it, I felt like Creed One set a high bar, and then Creed Two just went right under that bar. Okay. You know what I mean? Where it could have gone over, but what a confession. <laughs> Go ahead. Do you know, uh, like December on the airplane was my first time that I watched Black Panther. Are you serious? Honestly, God. That's okay. And I know when it came out, it Why? was huge. Everyone was watching it. I just, I was, I, I saw a clip of it. I was like, eh. Not that I'm not, I'm, I love all black movies, right? I love them. Like, <laughs> I love Think Like a Man. You guys see that? Yeah, mm-hmm. Kevin Hart's hilarious. I love Back when Kevin Hart was saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 30, yeah. 30 something with another Kevin. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Just Black Panther, just, I felt like the script was just off. They were trying a little too hard. Wait, so what was did that you before you watched it or after you watched it? What did you think of it after you watched it? I was like, eh. Really? Yeah. Huh. I was kind of sad that the main actor, like, I, I knew that he had died, right? Right. Oh. I, like, I gotta watch it. I gotta like it now, because if I don't, I'm just gonna be an ass. Mm. <laughs> no. So I felt compelled to like it. No, that's not up. I don't think right. that's... Like, if you don't like it, you don't like it. Are you serious? Walla? Don't screw it up, though. I mean, I'd like the one day... He wins. Finish it. Yeah. Oh, he wins? It's just every Marvel movie wins. <laughs> In all honesty, though, it's really not a completely foreign story like it's exactly the same as any other right. superhero movie mm, bad guy rose up tough time and now yeah. I just like that there was an all whatever. black like production. all black production you know that's mm. that's the that's what stood out to me was like okay this is this is dope yeah I, I mean, why it finally feels like uh, minorities are finally getting some opportunity to get into how do you guys feel about talking about this kind of subject Black people. And, there are black people. Okay, go ahead. Continue. Yeah, yeah. We're not. We're not going to get the flag for black folks. I know that. Yeah. You never know though. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, there's things about the way that black people are portrayed, and the way that black people are talked about, and the way that things, all black things, black people are spoken about. That's just so disappointing to me. You know what I mean? We always talk about black people, like for instance, like what you guys just said about there's something cool about it. You know, it's almost like on some level. There's a bit of surprise behind it, you know. Oh, yeah. Or on some level, there's always there's a little bit of. Well, it's good to see they can do it, you know. Yeah. Well, it's not the norm, though. I, I know it's not the norm, but I feel like black excellence. Yeah, you know, I you hate know, that term yeah. so much. You hate it. Uh, you might, yeah, you might hate it, but because it, it means me, 
to me, yeah. what it means is like, duh. Yeah. You know, like no. Yeah. Like, like people graduating high school, it's all of a sudden black excellence. Like, dude, yeah. I hate that. I, what BS. it's supposed to be. What it's supposed to be God. is like what it's supposed to be. From my point of view, is like it's supposed to tell the world that black people can also do things in an excellent manner. You know. I'm always like, duh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is not new. Exactly. Like, right. The oldest, like, some of the smartest people in the world happen to be black. Like, you cannot find a field in America that there aren't blacks who are performing at a high level in. Yeah. yeah. And so the term black excellence, I mean, like, being said so facetiously, like, yeah. it's like, what? Dude, I was watching Netflix the other day, and they have this catalog called, I don't know, something like Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah, or something yeah. like that. YouTube where, does, too. Yeah, it's... It's apparently where a lot of black created movies are actually hosted and like they have their own little section. I was thinking, why? It, if anything, it does more damage than actually yeah. promote this thing. Like, am I, do I need to watch this because a black man created it? Mm-hmm. It's like calling yourself a black engineer or like a black artist when you can just be an artist. Like, why? Does... It's almost disrespectful to me. Yeah. Like, because what you do is, so for example, if you can't, you know, if you can't, like, run with, if you can't be number one of New York, you come to Minnesota and be number one, <laughs> you know? It's like, what is it, that analogy? Uh, king in a small pond versus yeah. mediocre yeah. in an ocean. Like, which would you rather be? Yeah. I feel like, in some sense, we all do that with blank Americans in this country, where we say, we just put them in this small category, which is blacks, right? And then we just... Yeah. Like we just look at it and we put them in a hierarchy mm-hmm. of the blacks, mm-hmm. but we don't put them in the mix with yeah. the entire country. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> like, there's nothing that black people don't outperform Absolutely. on a regular. Yeah. And so it's like, well, throw it in there, man. <laughs> I, yeah. I know. I for the longest time had issues with that. Mm. You know, and it 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 helped that I did some like self reflecting on my own you know, culture and my own background. Mm-hmm. It helps that we have like a shared language. We speak Somali, yeah, Muslim, you know, all, the, all right. those things. We come with a lot of confidence already. Mm-hmm. A little too much, to be honest. With you. <laughs> you know, we know yeah. that. Yeah. But when it comes to like African Americans and Blacks specifically, even though just purely, purely because of uh, you know census, you know, you know, just to identify who we are, we identify as Black, right? Black mm-hmm. or African origins, right? Mm-hmm. But that term specifically, Black, here in the U.S has a whole nother connotation because we can't like if we were just to call you know african americans or black americans just americans we take away from the fact that they're not just another ethnic group they're not irish american they're not any other because all of the other groups gained their whiteness yeah in essence mm-hmm. black people have not from the very get-go there's always been subjugation there's always been some form of something going on mm-hmm. in that community right mm-hmm. and so the word black entails not just their skin tone but also just historical, you know, you know, whatever has happened to them historically. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. and in a sense, because of that, mm-hmm. we honestly don't have the right to lump ourselves in that. Group. No, like, we are no, immigrants, is, and no. yes, we are black, but we really have never experienced yeah, no, that. And come so, on. nowhere near. Yeah. yeah. Well, just, but yeah. at some point, the African needs to be dropped. Don't you think? You know what I mean? Like, what you, mean? you go back a couple of generations ago when the Germans migrated over. Mm-hmm. Two, three generations later, they're no longer known as German-American. They're yeah. just Americans. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the French. Everyone who's ever migrated a couple of decades, a couple of centuries ago. Mm-hmm. Today, they're just French-American. They're not French-American. They're not German-American. They're not Spanish-American. They're just Americans now. Mm-hmm. 400 years later, and what we can't really say 400 years. Let's say 200 years later, um, 
African Americans are still considered African American. Like your local black dude has never been to Africa. His parents haven't been to Africa. His grandparents haven't been to Africa. But he's African American. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, at some point, the African needs to be dropped. How many generations later do you drop the African? You know what I mean? Like, you can talk to, uh, you can talk to, like, I know a couple of guys who their ancestry goes back to Germany mm-hmm. and their parents speak German, their grandparents speak German, but they don't identify themselves as German Americans. No. Like, no. They, I went to high school with them and yeah. you can have a conversation with them. Their parents grew up in Germany, right. but they don't identify themselves as German American. Right. And now every African American in this country, every black, I should say, they identify themselves as African American. Like, Beyonce did a whole music video with, like, the shiki stuff and, like, all African get up. Like, you're not from Africa. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I think when you when you think about it really deeply, right? Um, there's there was terms already sort of made up for a lot of different groups here. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Latino people were referred to as uh, Hispanics for the longest time, mm-hmm. and like the literal meaning of Hispanics is lover of Spain. Yeah. And if you've studied anything about Latin America, there's not much love for the Spanish. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of murder and blood. Mm-hmm. You know, and so Mexicans would refer to themselves as Mexican American yes. or Chicano or Chicana or Latino or Latina. That encompasses their indigenous roots, their African roots. So when I thought about the term African American, this title came from within the community as opposed to from, because they, they were called, you know, they referred to them mm-hmm. as Negroids or Negroes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can say that because we're black too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the idea of I maybe think. external people not saying niggas is absurd to me. Like, right. everyone should be able to say that. But even white people? Even everyone should be able to say that. Mm. It's stupid. <laughs> it really I remember, is. I remember, I remember someone a while ago said, if I say something that happened to you a year ago and you have a biological reaction to it today, then that means you haven't moved past it, you know? Mm. And if you say, if a white person, I've, I've been in the room, First of all, there's a, it's a scene. Wallah. It's, you feel bad because you kind of like to see it. You know, not, not like you like to hear it, but have you ever been in a room and a white girl says drop, to a white... Drop, drop the N-word? No, no, no. A white girl say to a black girl the N-word. Have you ever been in that room? No, I pray to God I don't. Oh, my God. The black... Somebody... I'm like, oh. It's about That's to go, man. It's about to But they go... Yeah. Yeah. And so my point, it's, it's never conscious when a black person hears a white person say the n-word there's no it's like a switch all right like like yeah. zero to 100 asap there's very little like thought put into any action that precedes that right and to me that's an emotional reaction yeah. and so i'm thinking if you're having an emotional reaction to something that happened a very long time ago and of course today we can make dozens of arguments of things that can continue to happen today mm-hmm. but the n-word is a small thing that happens you know what i mean african-americans aren't white people aren't looking at african-americans and thinking there's a nigga you know? yeah exactly they're not that's not really a label for african-americans anymore mm-hmm. and now obviously we know it's preferred word for african-americans you know and so if you're having that uncontrollable emotional reaction to it i'm like have the african-american community have they worked really through that yeah is that something that is still prevalent in their psychology or is that something that still needs to get worked through you know yeah at some point certain things uh are way beyond history like it becomes pop culture and like the whole n-word thing i don't think a 17 year old uses the n-word to be disrespectful to black people like Mm -hmm. most people are just trying to be cool trying to be part of the pop Mm -hmm. culture Mm -hmm. 
eighty percent of the music they listen to. Hip hop is like the music of young people, right? And right. so if everyone is saying that, how, why do you not let the kids say it too? Like, right. they're not trying to be racist or anything like that. Right. But it's building those those walls, those prohibitional walls. You know, like here are things that African Americans can do that white people can't do. Kind of propagates that division, doesn't it? Low yeah,、key. yeah, one hundred, dude. I, that's such a great point, Wale. But we want equality. We want like the same standards all the way around. But there's things that African Americans can do that white people can never do. There's things they can say that they can't say. You know what I mean? Right. And that just propagates that division. And but yet, simultaneously, we're like, things are not equal. You know? Yeah. It's almost. There's this culture going on right now where being racist to anyone except the minorities is like super acceptable. Like you can talk shit about white people, you can talk shit about I don't know, like Asian people, but. By the time you start talking about shit people about、uh, black people, it's all of a sudden oh a no go zone, and、yeah. it's becoming the complete opposite of what it previously used to be.、Mm-hmm. And that in itself is a effed up thing to do right now. Like、yeah. on Twitter, it's the、that. norm is just talking shit about other races. Then, well, other races do okay. The Asian Americans in this country do better than everyone else. One hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you can say whatever you like. Like they, the Jews, the Asian, you can do、no, whatever you want. You can say, "Here's one thing I love about the Jews." Like legit,、mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a funny statement. That's <laughs>、no, okay. But this is something I actually love. When you look at their history, there is just one long span of like it's just one long span of time and nature saying "f you" to the Jews, and the Jews saying, "Okay," like they're cockroaches. All they know is how to endure and bounce back. Like it doesn't matter who's done what to them. It doesn't matter. History has not been kind to the Jews, you know.、Mm-hmm. But literally, do you ever see stand up for the Jews or this for the Jews? That never. You know what I mean? And I think every time, everywhere they went, they've always found a way to bounce back. Always found ways to bounce back. Like even when,、uh, like ancient times, when the Romans kicked them off to the sides. They're like, okay, we'll figure something else out, and they did. They became the bankers. They became the financiers. Like before, you know it, these guys were literally financing like entire countries. You know what I mean? Like the rock. What are they called?、Um, Rockefellers. Not not the Rockefellers.、Um, I guess I'm the tip of my tongue. It was really. It was a rich family. Here in、uh, here in the U.S. No, no, no. In、uh, like it was a long time ago in ancient.、Uh, oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, they were the ruling class of、uh, yes, and after Hitler even ended up、uh, imprisoning one of them. Yeah, I can't remember. I know. I don't know. Yeah, it's a really、Those、cool、people. name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know too. <laughs> I wish I could contribute. They have a really cool name. There's their ancestry is still around to this day. Their money's still around to this day. But my point is, as, no matter what has been done to the Jews, they've always found ways to bounce back without. Like mass complaints, you know.、Mm-hmm. They've just okay. So shit happened. This and that happened. It's like almost they went to the side, figured out how to do whatever, and then bounced back. And now we all know, like, oh, you got that Jewish money. You know, like, yeah, they do、yeah. just fine. Same thing with the Asians when they migrated over to America. They they just stuck it out together. They did the groundwork, and now they're some of the wealthiest, most learned, knowledgeable, like, educational wise people in this country.、Yeah. And so they just they just focus. They work hard. They don't care about external factors. They're like, okay, that's just whatever. 
You do you, I will do you. And what I'm going to do is outwork you and whatever barriers you build in front of me, I'll figure out ways to get around it. That is like a nice slogan for the Jewish community from my point of view. People have been saying for the longest, there'll never be an official Jewish state. Look at Israel today. Like Israel is like, like it's very impressive when you well, think about it. Especially in, if you take the amount of time they've had to build Israel. Yes. That is. Amount that of is time and an amount really of work. Impressive. And look at where the Pakistanis are today, though. Like there was a time that the Pakistanis could just say F you to, to the Israelites. But today there's what, less than a million Pakistanis left in that entire area? Yeah, and, you mean Palestinians. Yeah, Palestinians. Yeah, <laughs> different, yeah. Yeah, and, but Palestinians, yes. And so there's little, but there's not that much of them left anymore. And Israel is becoming, more and more countries are coming out and saying, Israel, we support Israel, we recognize Israel, Israel, you know what I mean? Yeah. But my point is, like the Jewish people, of all people in the world, have been hit the hardest over time. Yeah. For as long as we've known history, they've just been one mass, one mass uh, kicking out or, or, or murdering or whatever, mm -hmm. time and time and time again. And they've just bounced back time and time and time again, you know? And I like that. I respect that. You know, you might not like the Jew, Jewish people. You might think whatever you want about their religion. You might think about whatever you want about their money and so on and so on. But you have to re respect that bounce back game. Right. right. Like it's a strong bounce back game. I'm like, well, I think the only difference between like, you know, the, one of the major differences between the, like, you know, the Jewish community and the African-American community, right? Mm. Is when you strip someone of their identity, that does psychological, psychological damage, damaging. Yeah. You don't even know when this generation is going to overcome. You know, you got to think about the fact that when, when, when Africans were stolen from Africa, right? They were stripped off their name. They were stripped off their identity. More than 30% of them were Muslim. Mm -hmm. Not anymore, right? Mm -hmm. They were stripped off of that. They were, forget about the third of a human being. They, were, they literally were convinced that you have no soul. Now, of course, you know, African slaves pushed back and said, no, you know, we have souls and we're going to prove it at some point. But that continued and it just didn't end at slavery. It was a lot more like it's, it's just leave the lynching and the, the physical damage, the psychological and, and, and just even like the spiritual damage it caused the African-Americans. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked that a group of people like, you know, like are still standing today. Because when you read about that history, you will cry at some points. Yeah, I mean, that's the same as the natives. Yeah. You know, if you look at the native communities right here, I mean, you know, reservations were built by the federal government to put them in there, you know, and, and, and neglect them socially, economically, put in alcohol, you know. You wonder why the alcohol rate is, is somewhat high. It's because it's been there for a very long time, mm -hmm. you know. So these are all, you know, things that were created by past governments that made people act and behave a certain way. Because yeah. you know, in order for you to be on top, someone's got to be at the bottom. Well, who's, got, who's at the bottom? If you look at, you know, you know, whether it's the Irish or the Jewish community or, you know, there's literature written about how they gain their whiteness. They can mm -hmm. melt in you. You can't tell the difference between a New Yorker and a, yeah. someone who is of Jewish descent. You cannot. But you can tell the difference between a black guy and a white guy. Very simple. Mm -hmm. You know, so... What I, was, what I was talking about was the concept, you know, the, obviously the magnitudes are different in that there's very little time when you were striped, stripping the Jewishness of Jewish closest, with, I think, from my knowledge is what Hitler tried to do. With yeah. the, um, but the concept of um, having terrible things happen 
And then in a future part, you having the fortune and the luxury mm -hmm. to be able to think, okay, what now? What's next? You know? Mm -hmm. And when you go back, first of all, what you just said is actually incredible that that did happen, that there were, you know, groups of people, i.e. Americans, who literally actually figured out ways to strip the soul of people, you know? That's quite, that's an incredible thing in our human history, you know? But what's, to me, what's even more incredible was what happened after, after the civil rights movement. After the civil rights movement, the fact, those same people who, their parents and their ancestors have had the soul stripped out of them, those exact same people, figured out ways to start businesses. They figured out ways to purchase houses. Yeah. Granted, it was made very difficult for them, okay. but they still figured it out. Mm -hmm. And historically, I'm pretty sure this was in the 1960s, the growth of African Americans in this country in the 1960s was staggering, was genuinely impressive. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was like yeah. the way Amazon was growing a few years ago. Mm -hmm. It was just spiking was, up, yeah. you know? They had the black, black Wall Street. Yeah. And to me, that's, you, the fact that that happened in, in the history, that the, the brutal sense of slavery took place, and then those same group of people, fast forward a little bit, a century, couple of centuries, they're not just, you know, racing with uh, the, the current community, but they're literally sophisticated, intelligent, well-cultured, well-caring people. Those same people, you know what I mean? Who, when you go over um, to their ancestors in Africa, are far, far ahead of their ancestors in Africa. You know what I mean? Despite all these things. Yeah, so you, they're here in America, racing as far as growth is concerned with the white people, mm -hmm. while simultaneously their ancestors back in Africa are still hunter-gatherers kind of like, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, but then you think about, here's what I think a lot about. I think about the African-Americans when you go back to the 19, let's say 1930 to like 1960, around that area and the African-Americans of today, you know? Mm -hmm. To me, I can understand why. To me, it seems like the African-Americans back then were a lot stronger, not in the physical capabilities, anything like, but like in the endurance game. Mm -hmm. They were much, much thicker skinned, you know? Mm -hmm. The white communities did whatever they did, but it never stopped the African-Americans. There was a, I forget the story, I forget the name of the man, but there was a surgeon, an African-American surgeon who worked under a white surgeon I wish I remembered his name. I don't do well with names often, but I, I, for me, it's always about the story for some reason. I read a lot of nonfiction books, yeah. and there's a lot of names in nonfiction yeah. books. So I've just given up on trying to remember the names. <laughs> but, but in this story, this African-American uh, surgeon was working under a white surgeon. And obviously, in that time, you know, you, white people had quite a bit of dominion over black people in uh, certain places you know the segregation was still oh, a yeah. thing mm -hmm. and so this black dude he was a genius that far superseded the white surgeon and so the white surgeon realized that what he would do is he would dress himself start the surgery take a little break have the african-american come into his room and perform the actual surgery and by doing that this guy like moved surgery in that hospital forward like you would invent all these really cool techniques all these really nice ways of doing things and we invented all these like super fancy ways of performing surgery mm -hmm. and all the credit would go to the white guy mm -hmm. mind you this is surgery it's not like you know you're working part-time this is full-time gig right. and he was barely getting paid any money but he showed up every single day to perform surgeries that he knew he wasn't going to get the credit for but he did it because it was what he was good at 
It was what he was best at, right? Like he was intelligent and it was what he wanted to do. But more importantly, he wasn't going to let the barrier stop him from doing what he wanted to do. Like, okay, fine. You are going to do what you're going to do. And there's not much I can do about it. Right. But you can't stop me from doing it because you create the barrier, you know? Right. And that story to me is like, that's so impressive. It's, it's not something you would see today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Today, like a minor, minor barrier might completely make somebody just stay the heck at home. Yeah. Like, would you say, though, that is more of just society in general rather than just it being specifically African-Americans? If you look at our own community, we talked about it before. Yeah. We're no different now. No. We're very sensitive. <laughs> we're very sensitive and we're very just prone to complaining. Yeah. Prone to not looking at looking for opportunities and more of looking for reasons to just not do something. You know, if you look at even like you know, look at Georgia. Like they have like a like a crack epidemic amongst mm-hmm. the white community, right? Mm-hmm. In America. Yeah. So it's all that stuff. So I think more now it's really, you know, it's it's it's, it's an even playing field now. Yeah. When it comes to just generally who is struggling. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think just the way we conceptualize African-Americans, which makes that, you know, the, the Black Panther movie really kind of powerful. Even though I didn't enjoy the, the script or, you know, or anything like that, the action was all right. But action was cool. The action was cool. Yeah. Everyone was looking fit, and I like that. But the accents were just, I'm like, that's not how we freaking sound in Africa. But, you know, this idea of, of us reconceptualizing what African is and what African-Americans are, that's very important. Mm. Because... Even us being black, when we think of African Americans, we like to box them up too. They're not. They are just a plethora of people with That's different right. abilities, yes. just like us. Yes. You know, but we almost always focus on just the ones who are struggling. Why? When you think it's about how African American people represent and present themselves as well, though, they don't present themselves in a way, from my point of view, I'm like, okay, so you're in America, you've been in America for a few hundred years. You have your own identity that, however fortunate or unfortunate, it's quite different from the original back in Africa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. To this day, people dress like the way that, uh, like, for example, the music video Beyonce did, the way she dressed herself up in, yeah. in a music video. There's people who dress like that in Africa today, but that's their land, that's their hair, like, that's their culture, that's their people. You know what I mean? And so it's cool. Like, Somalia, that's the way they dress for the most part. Right. We're Somalian, right. we don't really dress like that in here in America, you know? So we've and even our black people in this country, they have their own ways of dressing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you have your own brand, you have your own identity, that's cool. But you also simultaneously have to assimilate with the greater brand slash identity, which is America. You know what I mean? I would argue they did. Not only did I would they argue ass- they made it. They, yeah, that's like what I was going to say. Not only did they assimilate, they yeah. really do push out what yeah. is but there's the, But there's this, there's this period, whenever there's something controversial that happens, and whenever there's... A conversation that's being had about African Americans, it's like it changes and it all of a sudden it's like regresses back to Africa. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you what? see that or is that just me? Well, like, how, how do you mean? Like, like you... whenever a topic of African American is being had, yeah. blacks in this country is being had, yeah. it goes from, all right, we're hip, we're cultured, we're like the normal American folks right. to Africa. Right. You know, like the roots. The roots. Yeah. <laughs> it goes back all the way to Africa. I'm like, that's not you, bro. Yeah. You've got your own thing going. This is yeah. you. This is blacks in this country, you know? Yeah. So you stay consistent with it throughout, regardless of what conversation is being had. Yeah. You know, but the reason I brought up um, the surgeon guy was because I'm just, I was thinking about the change between, 
like the growth that was happening back in the 1960s, 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s for the most part. And today, like the growth since the 1960s to today, for it was it was like going up and then plateaued. And from the 1960s to today, it's just been little heartbeats, like just consistent. Nothing has happened, you know? And so the question is like, what the heck happened? Yeah. Like African Americans are, whether you like it or not, whether however it sounds, there's more freedom, right? There's more abilities as far as what resources are out there and whatnot, and there's more. Like, there are more things that are more prevalent, you know, as far as what you're capable of doing, how you can do it, how many people can you connect with, how many people are in your way, how many barriers are in your way, and so on and so on and so on. You know. Yeah. yeah. Back then, under real Jim Crow, where there was literal, straightforward, apparent systemic racism, African Americans were somehow still growing at a really, really high pace. Mm -hmm. And then you eliminate all the apparent systemic racism, mm -hmm. and then the, gro the growth plateaus. Yeah. So it's like, what the heck happened? Right. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like that's just not a conversation that's had that much amongst millennials. No, like, no, not much conversations happening amongst millennials as <laughs> that is happening. Right. I think, you know, I, I read a really good book, okay? And it's by this, this uh, professor at, now he's teaching at Boston University, I think, Ibram X. Kendi. You guys heard of him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he wrote this book called um, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America. And it's a thick book. But I read that book. You know, coming again through a lens of being Somali, you know, you know, just my own confidence, my own experience. I read that book, and the preconceptions that I had about Africans and African Americans in this country completely changed, because he documents every single, basically what happened from the very beginning mm. to right now. You know, and he, I mean, he, he talks about racist ideas, and he and he talks about it in a way that it's alive. They're always being produced you know it's not something that just was produced once and stopped no they're all, they're continuously produced yeah you know so when you think of racism you think of this either one you know racism is you know you know looking at someone as if they're inferior in, in any way shape mm -hmm. or form so you so you got to take it two ways either it's true and there's something inferior about the group of people mm -hmm. or th this is a racist idea that exists right right and Almost all the time, people will say, okay, there's really nothing, there's no biological, neurological, or even, you know, sociological evidence that, 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 that shows that there's differences in, you know, there's superiority amongst one race over the other. That's mm -hmm. been proven. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, it must be racist ideas. Yeah. Right? And so, it makes you think about you yourself as a Somali. What racist ideas do you have of our other communities? You know what I mean? Yeah. And we, we, have, to be, we have to have that honest conversation. You know, where we ask ourselves, you know, are we cool? Yeah, just double checking something. Oh, we're good. Where, where we ask ourselves, really, like, where are we coming from? You yeah. know, when we talk about, because there's a perception that others have about us, you know, whether it's white, white Americans or African Americans or anyone else, they have about Somalis, and we're like, yeah, that's not us. You know, why are you, there's, we have engineers, we have, you know, so, social scientists, we have everyone, right? Yeah. Educated people. But those are the same, pre, you know, that's the same way we feel about African-Americans to an extent, don't you think? We're always looking at them as if it's, why are they not doing this better? Why are they not doing that better? But wh how do, why do we label them as a they to begin with? Yeah. 
when we don't like, even as Muslims, we don't like to be labeled as a they. I don't have nothing to do with some dudes in Iraq or Pakistan. Mm -hmm. I don't, or Somali, I don't. They have nothing to do with it. So African-Americans, I think it's even kind of, like I try to put myself in their shoes sometimes. You know, they're like, why? Like, I'm not like that. Why? why are they referring to us as if we're just one blanket you know, you know, person? You know, I'm, you know, I don't sag my pants. I don't, you know, I'm not hip. I'm mm -hmm. a nerd. One, one of the, uh, you know, my coworkers right now, she's a PhD, really young, you know, and, you know, just nothing. There's no stereotypical African, you know, whatever, which is stereotypical and is wrong and is racist. Right. But you would never have, you know, this is just, she's a normal person, normal African-American person right. with a PhD, you know. So right. I sometimes take a step back and I'm like, maybe I'm just overanalyzing these folks a little too much. You know, that's that's one of the main reasons why I can't prescribe what most conversations people have about African Americans in general. Yeah. And I'm like, first, you talk about you know, most whenever people whenever you have discussion about what are the most difficult things or problems that African Americans face in this country, whenever you have that conversation with people, mm -hmm. it always goes to the, you know, the obvious, um, white people. It's a go to police brutality is another go to discrimination. And so on, you know? Mm -hmm. I usually can't prescribe it to those as the foremost problems because for me, I'm always like, okay, we'll talk about that, right? We'll talk about, okay, why are they poor? And you say, lack of opportunities. Okay, mm -hmm. then explain to me how there are so many African Americans that are multimillionaires. Ex explain to me how there are African Americans in this country that are billionaires. Yeah. Like, being a billionaire is not an easy thing. There are only 2,000 billionaires in the entire world of 7 billion people. You know what I mean? Like, being a billionaire is not a small thing. And yet, there are African-Americans in this world, multiple African-Americans in this world, who are billionaires. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it can't be the normal things that you're just bringing about. It has to be something else. If you're going to talk about the problems that African-Americans face that are a hinder to their success and to, and to their growth as a, as, a, as a group of people, as a class, let's say, yeah. then it just can't be the normal things that you're presenting with me, because then it wouldn't make sense. Mm -hmm. How are there, you know, so many families that own businesses? How many are there? There's so many families that own uh, houses, cars. How many other? How how is there that there's so many successful African American teachers and entrepreneurs and, and musicians and this and that? Like then you have to explain that away, which you can't with typical like uh, what do you call um, college acceptance rates and whatnot. Like I think obviously there are many problems that do face African Americans. It just isn't what is presented. You know what I mean? Like police brutality and like police brutality is a problem, but it's not just a problem for African Americans. Mm -hmm. It's just a problem. <laughs> like mm -hmm. a lot of these cops are a problem, you know? And if you look at even like the you know, the Black Lives Matter, like the, the protests that were happening, mm -hmm. there was a lot of white folks that were getting their, you know, beat down. Bro, I don't like, beat down. For, I don't trust movements. I'll be honest with you. Have you read the Black Lives Matter website? No. Read it sometime, bro. Read it and then see after you're done reading if you think the Black Lives Matter movement was started by black people. Really? I'm that ass. I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely convinced that the people behind it are not black. I just read on Instagram that it was, uh, they're, they're about to get a Nobel Peace Prize. Have you seen that? Instagram. You saw that? I did not. The Is that even a surprise? No, but I just want to know who's going to get it, though. I thought it was like a movement, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really I mean, good I, point. I, I it's actually some, funny. I put yeah. work for that. Is that... <laughs> Do you also get some? How does that work? Oh my it's God, like it's a hilarious. participation thing, is it? 
Or is it somewhere mean, specific, you know, like, like it's in really the civil rights point. we had, like, you know, right. yeah, we had specific people. Yeah, yeah. Now it's it's really, there is really not specific leaders in the Black Lives Matter. There are certain movements that so, I'm just, I'm convinced that the people behind it just don't like America. That's what I'm convinced. Like the feminist movement. I'm just convinced that it's just... Oh, yeah. I, I got in a lot of trouble for that. For the feminist? Yeah. What? Like super, huh? What do you mean? I just, you know, it's just... He says himself? Yeah. But I don't mean to say it in a way that, you know... <laughs> I don't know if I came off wrong or, mm. but I don't know, man. Like it's it's almost as if, like you know, I don't like the, I don't like people telling me that I'm like I'm sexist. Don't 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 tell men they're sexist. Right. Come on, like I have a sister, you know, I have a mom, I have nieces. I love them to death. Mm-hmm. It's not a girl that I've ever dated in my life who said they're sexist. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much good evidence. You it's know, it's always other guys, eh? It's always yeah. It's always yeah, it's always dudes <laughs> who are telling me, hey, you're sexist. I'm like, why? Right. Like. First of all, why are we why are we labeling people? That's the problem. Whenever you say something against a movement, someone is going yeah, they got a label like, ready to go. It's like you know, it's like even not just radical feminism, women's rights. I'm with one hundred percent, and I think there's no one here that will disagree with. Right. We want women's rights across the board. Right, right. Yeah. What that is specifically, that that's you know up for debate. Mm-hmm. I think you mm-hmm. know because we got to know you know rights. Yes, hundred percent. But you know, right. You know, right. <laughs> But like, like it's like some folks who you know would say, "Oh man, white people are racist." I'm like, "Who? What white people have you been hanging out with?" That was the problem with people who have mentored me since I've come to the country are yeah. white. Yeah, you know, people who check on me, who you know put me through college, you know, like mentored me to be where I am today. To be very honest with you, mm-hmm. are white people, mm-hmm. my professor, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I don't see them as racist or even remotely close to. Oh no! But the benefit from the system is it their fault? Is it their fault, mm. dude? Exactly. They were not alive back then. Mm. You know, yeah. we had slaves in Somalia. Plus, you don't know we mm-hmm. had them. Did you did you think about that before you start? Right. You know, right. Which community does not have issues or does not have a dark history? Mm-hmm. But to blame the people that are existing today for those issues back then? Oh, you're benefit. You're part of the system. Oh, fuck you. If it's, like, it's, like yeah. it's like the what is it called? Um, male privilege. Yeah. Yeah. What do I do about that? <laughs> Makes me think of. Um, but, you, but honest, like I, people will label you as an ass. It's a matter of like that right now is your don't mansplain something to me. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, shut up, then. Is that general? Do I not right, speak man, I gotta moment? explain. I was sitting once. Honest to God, I was sitting once, and I was just I like you. I was just kind of like like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And one girl tapped me, and she said, "Can you stop taking so much space?" What? I'm within my space, but she meant like this was, there was probably a, you know, definitely a bigger, you know, meaning behind that. Right. You know, but then she was like, man, man, not mansplaining, but something else. There's another, like, something else when you, when you do that or you, you, but now the way I'm sitting is an issue. Mm. Do you know what, where does it stop? Right. (laughs) You know? You know what my main problem with movements in general is? It's like, everyone agrees. You know what I mean? For example, when um, George Floyd went down, yeah. everyone unanimously agreed, put that dude in jail for good, you know? Yeah. But that didn't stop from people rioting, looting, protesting, and so on and so on, yeah. even though yeah. the majority of protesters were whites. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we'll still call white people racist. Like, when, when does their effort, you know become recognized like come on like, it's, like you know what I mean like yeah, if anything the, it just dissuades people from dissuades helping people out from, yeah. yeah we're human at the end of the day stop Damn, you guys remember you guys remember there was uh, that little movie clip 
that the actors and actresses put together the black and oh blue. Oh my god, so fucking pretentious. <laughs> you, you didn't see that? Goodness. Oh what my god. So a group of actors and um, actresses decided to put together a video talking about their privilege and their responsibilities and how they're responsible and how they've add on to the terrible systemic racist system. God. And they were just like, I take responsibility. Responsibility for fucking what? <laughs> what? Do you want to do my homework next like, morning? What do you want to do? You know what I mean? It's like, the cringiest it was shit ever. the cringiest thing I, I know, ever watched. Man. It was sad. Because there were some actors I like. And the fact like. that they think they're doing something is just baffling. Yeah. Like, God. It was, but it's always, like, it's one of those like counterproductive sort of things, you know? Yeah. Because I'm like, I can see what you're doing. It's we, not genuine. They're not doing anything. What are you doing? What are you doing? Go volunteer in the hood. Yeah. Come like, to North like, Minneapolis. Come, you know, come do something. Open right. up a little daycare center. Don't make a little video of, you know. <laughs> I would feel like, no, you're not. That's all I'm going to do. For the whole, that's my contribution to African Americans for the last decade. Like, <laughs> this is, for, I, I, I don't know how many, you've no idea how many. I, I've never really got in trouble in trouble. I just mean with like friends, and, mm-hmm. you know, people who just take that label and then they, they become consumed with it. You know, it's like it's like the what were you saying last night? Right, the, the ideas about how people don't have ideas; ideas have them. Can you just think outside the box for a moment? Mm-hmm. We can agree on a lot of things, but we have to analyze things really from just an open view. Right. You know, even the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, let's think about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're for. African Americans and black people everywhere. I get affected by, you know, all the issues the same way. Mm. I look black. I am black. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. no difference. I can, I can be a James if I wanted to, right. and no one would second guess that. Right. But can we not analyze it? Mm. Can we not even touch on that? You know, debate. Hey, maybe we're doing things a little too wrong. Mm. When Obama came out and he scrutinized, you know, the Black Lives Matter. I think the slogan. Did you, know, you guys know that? And then he he got like canceled out. Obama getting canceled out. He just said, yeah, like, yeah. he said that, you know, when there's, he said something, something to the effect of, you know, just, I'm just paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect of, you know, because you have to be able to change people's minds and we have to do that in a, in a different way, you know, but having these something, having these fancy slogans or something like that is not a really effective way or something like that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said something like that. So and he got almost canceled out for it. I think he did even. He got called out and said, you know, a lot of people, a lot of prominent, you know, um, progressive you know, leaders came out and said, oh, you're wrong. No one can debate a topic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that notion of having a conversation, today it's almost like, if we're going to have a conversation, for most people, the way it looks like to me, you, I've been in rooms and I've talked to people, and it's always like, the conversations that we're going to have are conversations where we agree on each other, with on everything. Yeah. And if you say something we don't agree with, yeah. then it's like, what the hell are you doing here, bro? Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't have any friends for that. <laughs> um, then it becomes like, or like the elephant in the room question is like, why the hell are we having this conversation? Yeah. If we're all just going to agree with each other, yeah, bro, can't believe that. I know, bro. It's insane. It's it really is. It's like, it's like, what the hell is the, it's like walking in a desert then. You know, like, I know what's there, bro. You know what I mean? But to me, it seems like when you ever, whenever you have controversial or, or those kind of conversations with people, yeah, very little people, especially conversations that have to do with African Americans. Yeah. Very, 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 very group of people, small group of people have the conversation for the sake of trying to figure out, okay, what are some practical and useful things? Like what are some practical and useful ideas that if they were implemented yeah. would actually help? 
I feel like a very small group of people have that conversation. For the most part, people just look for what's the problem and who can we blame? And neither one of those bring upon a solution. I think that's a millennial thing, though, to be honest with you. Yeah, millennials, millennials love that. Because it's lazy, isn't it's it? It's a lazy way of, of, try, of thinking that you're contributing to the world and its issues. Mm-hmm. I think older generations, really, you know, they look at things like, okay, we need, we need funding. Right. That's what we need to do. We need something done. We need something done. We yeah. just, this is not, you know, it's the millennials who come up with these slogans and, you know, these... You know what the, you know what the most annoying thing about millennials is? I'm guilty of it myself, and I'm sure both of you are too. <laughs> yeah. The, the biggest problem, the biggest like L that we take as millennials is like we've all become sophists. You know, you know become what? Ooh. Sophists. Sophists? Yeah. You ever hear that term? No. So it goes back into like ancient Greek times in, in like Athens. The sophists were like a group of people who, in a time of semi illiterate people, figured out that they could do quite a bit by becoming sophisticated in language and speech. And so they were masters of rhetoric. And back in the old days, when you lived in a small town in like Athens or something like that, and something was happening in the courtroom, it was a big deal. You know, the whole town would come yeah, in there to yeah, watch it. Yeah. And the sophists swooped in and they taught the average, uh, you know, farmer how to defend himself in court with like a pretty intelligent person, you know? Yeah. And over t- at first, they were, they were liked. They, they came in with, some the good skills that they taught people, but over time they became hated and annoyed because they became very good at like twisting things, yeah. you know? And over time they became very, very, very hated because they were always distorting images. They became manipulators of people, manipulators of language. They were like masters of rhetoric and human behavior and all these things, you know? And over time they became very, very hated because their speeches were just inflated. There was nothing in there. They just sounded good. Wow. They made people sound good, you know? Yeah. And so to me, that's what millennials today are like. Yeah. You can talk about something that you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you can make it sound like you do. But you can make it sound like you do. Yeah. And the same thing with places you've gone to, things you've did. People know how to present themselves mm-hmm. in such a inflated way yeah. without, like, inside they're starving, yeah. but on the outside they're full. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, why, you know, that's why I think it's so important to, to study the ancients. Yeah, really. Like, if we really study, we we went back to the roots, and I'm talking about like grammar and rhetoric and just the, where these ideas came from. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the old Islamic scholars, right? They would say half 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 of knowledge is saying I don't know. Pretty much. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if they would, if if they, like, if, if they said something to you, like some piece of advice, they would say Allah Allah. Right. You know, only God knows. Right. But today, that. Just a random dude will put a fatwa on whatever comment he's gonna make. Like this is this is the deal. This is it. Right. This is my opinion. Like, I know. You know. Your truth. This is my truth. <laughs> Your truth. <laughs> Think about that, man. But Isn't the that past, the coolest <laughs> phrase ever? So Your stupid. truth. Like you can just make something up, and it'll be a truth. <laughs> <laughs> you ever hear that term? No. It's a real thing. Oprah said it. This is your truth. Yeah. Speak your truth. I'm like, oh, that's well, a trended thing, yeah. If Oprah said it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, too. We honestly, like, we take, like, you know, someone like Oprah mm-hmm. or any of these, like, you know, stars, you know? Mm-hmm. We look at them as if, like, what's coming out, out of their, like, mouth is just the gospel. Right. Like, oh, when did this person become an intellectual? Right. Because they host a TV show and they give you a, they put a, they sneak a prize under your chair. Mm-hmm. That now you take everything they say to the heart. Right. Or a movie star. We or have athlete. to really reflect on what the hell is going on. 
Mm. You know, and I say that to myself first because I'm guilty of it too. I'm part of that. I'm part of the world, right? You know what I hate though? Like, here's the sad thing: you can. There's really cool ideas today that are prevalent, right? There's this notion of everything becoming like a, uh, like a status symbol thing. You know? What do you mean? So, like, a really cool, productive, and really nice thing will come into a community or a, like the millennial community, for instance. Yeah. And if implemented and, and, and taken, it becomes a really useful t- tool. Right. But as millennials are, they'll just present themselves in a way that they are, but without ever really partaking with the thing. And so they lose all like goodness that they could have gotten from it. For example, meditating. Millennials will post, just finish a meditation oh, session God. or something like that, but without ever really meditating. <laughs> or like reading books. They've got their collections of book libraries and whatever. They haven't picked anything up in a while, but what should I read today? <laughs> a, have you guys seen these like Muslim couples on like Instagram and YouTube that document their day and say, this is, this is what I do when I wake up. Who keeps up? What do you do when you wake up? <laughs> have you seen, and they're famous and they get millions and yeah. they have so many followers too. Oh, I look up to you so much. My thing is, she, just, she woke up, brushed your teeth and made her kids breakfast. That is what she's supposed to do. <laughs> Okay. Did, she, did she find a cure to COVID? What did she do along the way? <laughs> okay, you know what I mean? That's true. But you know what? That always makes me think of like when you think back to the origins of Islam. There's stories. You know, there's so many stories in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know, awesome. and his stories. When you know, but like when you know the stories, and then you look at when what millennials today do, it's a little bit clear that many of them don't know of the seed. You know, mm-hmm. and it's always like. Well, that's sad, you know. That's what I always think. Whenever I see things like that, whenever I see the the couple pages and things like that, mm-hmm. I'm always like, oh. you know, like first of all, why would you put your stuff out there for the world? I always yeah, think about it from the man's mistake. point of view, though. Yeah. I always think about it from the man's point of view, you know, because like, okay, here's a story of about the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Once Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Aisha were sitting in the house, and a man knocked on the door, an old man, and he opened the, and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam opened the door, and he told Aisha. And they saw who he was. He was an old man and he was blind. And he told Aisha to go behind the curtain. And Aisha and he said, why? He's blind. You know? And he said, I know he can't see you, but you can see him. And so, like, legit, you know? That was their kind of relationship. That was the dynamic. But that relationship is something of the archetypical relationship. That's, like, the example for us, you know? And today, men and women, their husband and wives, Instagram, they have pages together. Yeah. Well, like they're doing stuff, but you're sexist if you say that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to keep her in the house? No, you want, want to keep her under the curtain? No, I don't. But there's some like keep your relationship under the curtain. Yeah, like yeah. what's like I think having any traditional values today, you are seen as an outsider. You are seen as a problem. You are quite literally labeled as a sexist, mm. which is a huge term for me at least. That's so sad. You know what's really sad? The the way millennials practice Islam from my point of view. And the way they speak and defend Islam, from my point of view, it's, I don't want to say heartbreaking, but it does something to me inside, you know? I'm like, Islam is its own thing. It's an entire entity. It's intricate. It's beautiful, low-key, when you really get into it. And the Western world and the Western culture, it's its own thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's intricate, and it's had its pluses, and it has its negatives, you know? And from my point of view, you have these two things here and here. And almost always, whenever people want to present Islam, they look at what the West is like and they say, okay, how can we make Islam okay with the West? You know? And they essentially like trickle down Islam 
to make it more accommodating to the, the parts of the West that don't agree with Islam. There's parts of the West that agree with Islam. But what they try to do is they explain Islam to the parts of the West that don't agree with Islam, you know? And I'm always like, why? Islam is what it is. Mm -hmm. Explain it to the West the way that it is. The parts of West that agree with Islam will take the parts of Islam they agree with, yeah. and the parts of the, the, that don't will just dispense with it. Right. It's not your job to make all of the West like Islam. Right. Regardless of what, there will be people that will never like it. Mm -hmm. In the Prophet Sallallahu time, there were people in Medina when all of the other people, all of the non-Arab people left Medina, and they were just Arabs in Medina. There were Arabs in Medina who refused to, to, to take up with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. His own uncle. His uncle, which one? Yeah, yeah Wulab, right? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that was Mecca. I don't mean in Mecca, I mean in Medina. Oh. In Medina, when Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came to Yathrib, what it was called at the time, and later was called Medina. There were all of Medina were Muslims. You know, it was something like when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came, it was something like uh, 300, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then within a couple of years, it was, it, it spread like mad fire, you know? But there were people who lived in Medina who were part of the, uh, of the Ansar, of the people of Yathrib, mm -hmm. who engaged with him on a regular basis, mm -hmm. but they would just, like, you could say whatever you like. You can do whatever you like. They will never accept the deen. They will never become Muslims. Right. And they they were there with him, right. you know? Right. Simultaneously, they're the people of the Ansar that would like, they, they took it to the heart heart, you know? It was yeah. deep in them. Yeah. And he didn't have to say, there are people that he didn't say much to. He, he, he didn't say much to, and they, and they just took the deen, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you can do whatever you like. It's, you can't make someone like something because if they don't like the core, the core message of the thing, it's, you can do whatever you like. Right. You can bend. You can twist. You can do whatever you wish to do. At the end of the day, they're still going to dispense with it. Right. So I'm like, save yourself yeah. some pain and some embarrassment by changing this really well put together religion. Just present it as it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's well, just present percent. yourself. Yeah. But millennials, the, the sad things like millennials don't really, the way it looks like to me, and, Allahu alam, I could be wrong, but here's here's an example. The when uh, uh, the French president, when that whole cartoon thing went down, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. the way the world reacted was, from my point of view, the wrong way to react. You know, and the way they reacted told me, from my point of view, it, they to it told me where the Muslim Ummah is as far as their. And Allahu alam if I'm correct on this, but as far as their imitation of the Prophet وسلم, is concerned, and as far as their knowledge of the deen is concerned, they told me where they were. To me, it seems like most people are passive practitioners of Islam. Even Allahu alam if I'm right, but the way they reacted, it was as if the French, this and that, whoever is actually capable of insulting the Prophet of Allah, mm -hmm. you know, like Muhammad. Yeah. The greatest of creations that have ever been created is capable of being insulted by some yeah. person that doesn't even know his last name. Well, you know, that, that was the Charlie Hebdo incident, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, in the time of the Prophet, right? There mm -hmm. was times where, you know, Quraysh would, you know, dump like camel intestines on his yeah. body. Right? Yeah. But he never really, you know, he never really pushed back at that moment. He was that Here's something interesting, bro. In France, when that incident happened? Yeah. 
I mean, our reaction was reactionary. Yeah. You know, instead of really taking into consideration what was the cost of these houses. Yes. We were like protesting on the streets and doing all those things. Just let people do what they want. Don't let it affect you that much. Yeah. It's not going to affect you. Yeah. But the, the thing that was really, really sad to me was they said let's boycott friends. You know what I mean? I don't even know if a lot of people know this. But the Prophet ﷺ himself was boycotted against the Quraysh, economically, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there's that notion of, um, there's a lovely story of a time when the Prophet ﷺ could have starved the Quraysh to death, you yeah, know? He didn't. He didn't. Yeah. He's just like, no, no, we're not going to do that. No. That's beneath us, you know? Mm -hmm. But it just it just comes, to, it just showed that we're just not where we should be. No. As, as people no. of knowledge, as people of, no. like, if you believe you're a Muslim, then you believe you're on the right. Right. It's just, just you know, practice it's, it. It's become yeah, it's become less about you as an individual and more about everyone else. That's my problem. I have you know I make a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I, you know I, a lot. <laughs> you know, professionally, spiritually, you know, socially, whatever. I make mistakes, but I keep it in house. Right. You know, I don't like my job is not to tell people they're wrong or right or anything like that. I mean, in a conversation. I'm not, I, my, my objective is not even to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. But my point is, specifically speaking, like spiritually, it's all about you. It's less mm -hmm. about everyone else. Mm -hmm. So when is this, like, when does our faith become like, you know, like, let me put this out there on Instagram. Let me show you what a couple is supposed to be. You right. really. Oh, who's, you know, when was this meeting that we selected you as the, you know. Right. I, I think we just need to chill with this, this defense mode. Yeah. That yeah. Muslims are on. I think we've brought up really, really great points from all different perspectives and uh, topics. And mm -hmm. it's about hitting the hour mark. And I would like to give you a moment to conclude uh, your thoughts. Start with Mubarak. Hmm. We're doing conclusions. All right. Um, I think it's important to really try to get to, to learn things as they are, as opposed to the way they present it to you. I think, every, well, like, here's one thing I've actually, this is, someone gave me this advice a while ago. He's like, when something makes it to you, it's no longer in its original form. So go back and look into it and see what its original form was. And when you think about that, that's very important. If it made it to you, that means it came from someone else, then it came from someone else, then it came from someone else. And so at some point throughout that journey, it got distorted and changed from the original source. So if he came to you, go back to the original source. And so I think that's the most important thing that we can all focus on is to really learn things as they are, as opposed to the way we want them to be or the way they're presented to us as and so on. You know, it's a great point. Thank you so much. <laughs> Mohammed, I'll give you the chance. No, I, I would kind of say the same. I think the topics that we talked about, right, they're very important topics to discuss. You know, but like you said, I agree with that. We have to go back to the roots of things. If we want to understand how things are, the way they are, we have to get to the roots of them. You know, one example that comes to my head, I'm, I'm one millennial now, and I'll continue to be on them, is, um, have you read the, uh, I think it was, was it either Aristotle or Plato, he wrote The Republic. The Republic, Plato, yeah. Plato. Mm -hmm. um, I read a part of that, I can't finish the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But a part of that is where he, in his perfect republic, he would ban picture makers, anyone who would draw a picture. And they were like, why? He believed that they, what they did was they distorted reality from people. 
and you created images of people and this is a way to distort people from what the reality is. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's almost as if the ancients knew that media, you know, that this entertainment was a distraction. Mm -hmm. We now see it as a part of our daily life. We don't even see it as a distraction. What am I being distracted from? Mm -hmm. Maybe focusing on you for a moment. You know, when you're so focused on what is this couple doing throughout their day? Oh, I wonder what blog they're going to post. You're less focused on what are the issues that I have within me that I need to change. Should I be a better brother, a better you know father, a better husband? All those things go out the window the moment you start getting involved in everyone else's life and less involved in your own. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think we really need to study the ancients. Right. You know, that's the only way we're going to make sense of the present. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, I think this has been a really productive talk. Uh, thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you in the next one.